Hello and welcome to today's ResiCast, where we're going to be talking about joint victories and how companies are working together and collaborating across the residential space. I'm joined by Nick Riley, who is a director at Whittam Cox Architects, and I'm joined by Mike Kearney, who's, deal, who's in deal origination at Maslow Capital. So, Nick, um, in, in terms of the, the architecture world, clearly you guys are working w- w- with quite a lot of people at any one, sp- any one point in time. What, what are some of the biggest challenges you face, really, in, in bringing everything together? Because obviously you have to take account of any number of, of different concerns and, and wants. Yeah, so, I mean, I think what we do um, has become increasingly complex. There's a lot of legislation which is consistently changing. Um, there's obviously been a lot of noise uh, over the last 12 months around fire regulations and, and uh, changing landscape there, which is a really important one to address. Um, but also, as we enter new markets, particularly built to rent, um, there's still quite a lot of early innovators in that space so there's a lot of products and and design which is really untested in in real terms so trying to think ahead of what our clients are looking for what their sort of specific proposition is and how we design that appropriately is is a a good challenge for us um but one that that keeps us on our toes and 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 how do you uh, so how do you how do you road test ideas i suppose in in a market that that isn't proven if somebody says here is my problem. How you know what sorts of things are you are you relying on? You know, for example, some I think of the- there is context. I mean, you know, we we and myself come back from a, a long background of residential design. Um, so doing a lot of residential development through the early mid two thousands, uh, and then um, subsequent to that, doing an awful lot in the student accommodation sector. Which obviously both of those areas sort of inform the core principles of build to rent. Um, so it's not like we're going from a, a standing start. But you see it as an evolution, really, of what you've yeah, been doing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's a blending of different skill sets. Um, and, of course, bringing in things like modular and off-site construction is another facet of that as well. So it's really a sort of bringing together of lots of different ideas. It's never as if we're going from a standing start. And Michael Kearney, in terms of uh, Maslow Capital's position in the market, Clearly, over the last well, over the last ten years, coming up to the anniversary of, of Lehman's collapse, we've seen a, a, a massive boom in alternative lending. That's you know, according to some sources, now about a fifth of the lending market in the UK, twenty-two percent, according to the last Cass Business School report from a few months ago. That's obviously been great news for for your part of the world. How are <laughs> you dealing with? How are you kind of adapting to to new asset classes like build to rent? The very clear answer to that is is that's the that's the whole reason for the evolution of this of this debt and this private debt market is because the PRA the Prudential Regulatory Authority has compressed the major banks' lending appetite and increased their capital. They made it more and expensive, haven't they? Absolutely, by, by things like absolutely. slotting and, and Ab- exactly, exactly right. They've made it much more expensive, and if you don't fit the box you're generally not offered terms or not offered competitive terms or it's the development's not viable. So where the private debt financiers and Maslow Capital can assist is we do actually take a commercial view. We do actually look to understand at the product that you're offering and what your experience is and, and work towards that. And, and that's, I, and I suppose in the same way that Nick um, at Whitsum Cox Architects obviously have to work very closely to, you know, to essentially to make a design fundable, I suppose, in many senses, where somebody has got an ambition and, and someone at your end, Michael, will have a calculator that says, this is what you can borrow. 
somewhere in the middle they've got to make that design viable absolutely we have a look at all facets of the development not only from the cost perspective and the and the gdv perspective but as a financier we actually take a very keen interest in its design it's absolutely important that the product that we're financing is saleable or or lettable or occupiable on the back end and and that's that that's quite different is it i mean from from a high street bank because obviously i think the the world that we're now in from a lending perspective is is one where there's a lot more micromanagement of 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 everything that's passing through there's a lot more under the bonnet examination of, of deals there is we don't like to micromanage of course we want to facilitate and assist the customers but in terms of underwriting you, you obviously it, do need to be absolutely we we make sure that we're very well versed in the project but we wouldn't necessarily tell a customer how they need to do something or how something should operate or be designed etc we would be absolutely be guided by the customer and we then ultimately need to make a make a commercial decision as to how and how that can fit with our products i think from our perspective you know the design evolution is much more closely linked to the funding side now and in build to rent specifically, you know, mm. true build to rent, it's very hard to evidence that um, in terms of the design and how that's going to perform as an asset because so in terms of the there's rental a lot of untested product. Um, so, so people are having to make a judgment. We're having to educate a lot of people, getting them on the journey and buy into the whole principles of, of what we're designing because there isn't a whole load of data out there that evidences what, work and, work, what works and what doesn't work. But you've been involved in some pretty big schemes, haven't you? Whitsam Cox, architects, you know, people won't necessarily know some of the schemes that you have. Been, well, they know some of the schemes, certainly, that you've been involved, such as uh, the, the collectives development in Old Oak. And, and some other and yeah some we've, other we've been involved ones. in some some interesting schemes over the last few years with with Ballymore we've been working down at Royal Wharf um, on a you know substantial um, 3,000 home development down there um, using various off-site technologies uh, as well as traditional construction as you say we're working with the collective um, and have delivered the the old oak scheme which is quite an interesting co-living project we're working with Scarborough developments in Manchester um, and also starting to work with a, a Moda and Apache as well as a few others um, who are coming into the market as well. And what, what are some of the, the, I mean, there must be some similarities in some of the challenges. I mean, obviously, you mentioned, both of you mentioned viability. And given, obviously, some of the things that are coming out of the, the planners in London and, and central government through the, the national planning policy framework, all of those things yeah, essentially are asking developers to, to put up more cash yeah, that's affordable the big housing, still 106 payments. So does that mean... Uh, you know, are you as architects facing a lot more value engineering? Um, yes and no. I, and I think the design quality agenda is really important. Um, obviously, I'm going to say that, but, you know, the planning framework is is about setting a standard and that being higher than it has been previously. But do you have a feel of getting beaten up in terms of... of, of the- There's tension there for sure. I mean, trying to reconcile, you know, a good quality design that's viable um, uh, with all the other constraints that come along with, with new buildings is is a big challenge these days, but it's it's a good challenge to have. Yeah, and I, I think that's an important point to make there, just on the affordability of product, is a developer has to work with what they've been given. And when the capital contributions, as you said, the CIL, the Section 106, are added up and overlaid on top of that, that can start to make a development unviable. And that, that makes it obviously quite difficult from a development perspective. So there's certainly challenges that present our, our customers in that regard but uh, but from your point of view in, in terms of you know, Maslow Capital has obviously got a strategic partnership with TPG that, that provides you it, it means you're very well capitalized and compared to 
a number of the other alternative lenders in the space, the sorts of tickets that, that you've been writing have been pretty substantial, haven't they, Michael? Yes, indeed. Uh, you would have seen the market, uh, the press release just last week where we completed 100, 100 million of deals and that was just three transactions. So a 40, a 40 million pound deal, 25 million pound deal. So two quite substantial deals and not just London South East based. Uh, that's regionally. So we want to be supporting affordable product in the regions to actually assist with this affordable housing shortfall. And, and, and how are you finding the market at the minute in terms of um, London, obviously, it's not going brilliantly well everywhere at the minute, which is a mix of Brexit and stamp duty and, and general, you know, general negativity on a few fronts. How are you finding that market? And, and are you, do, do you see yourselves doing more stuff in the regions? Certainly, we are very focused on the regions and actually quite a substantial amount of our book is focused on the Midlands and the North. Um, Birmingham and Manchester are two strong locations for us. Um, but again, we focus on, on good sponsors, schemes that may be um, substantially pre-sold at appropriate rates per square foot with uh, appropriate design, amenities, etc. So um, we, we make sure that what's been offered is fit for purpose for the market that it's been offered it into. And, and Nick, in terms of this, the sorts of things that, that Whitton Cox has on at the minute on the architecture front, obviously, you know, you guys have, have come from, from, from the north, from Sheffield, and, and you obviously know that market quite well. Uh, are there quite, uh, are there big differences in, in the dynamics of different parts of the country in terms of what? I think it's changing tides. I mean, you know, three or four years ago, London was where everything was happening and the regions were dead. Um, that was all predicated on international investment market and and private landlords essentially buying apartments and, and, and then renting them out. That that market is, has started to turn, and I think that'll be favourable from a build-to-rent perspective within the M25, hopefully. Regionally, you know, there's been a big suppression of, of new housing supply, and that, that's become a big problem. Now we're doing a lot of um, residential development but for sale, but also for, for build-to-rent, and, and it seems that the regions are going to be pretty active um, for the foreseeable future, whereas London's just changing a little bit at the moment. But I don't see it all being negative. And and to what degree is is Brexit dampening appetite? I mean, obviously, through through your funding partner, you've obviously got a pretty good line of, of credit there. But is there? I mean, do you, is it likely? Is it likely that we'll see a, a dampening in in the? in the funding market as we head closer to next March, do you it's, think? It's, it's a very interesting question. Um, Brexit is so many things to so many people. Um, so obviously you've had the, the dip in the GBP in the foreign exchange markets, but then conversely that's made it cheaper for, um, for, for, for purchases, offshore purchases, but then it may have adversely affected their construction costs. So where you've had the negative impact on construction costs, the imported goods are going up, you've had the positive influx of a cheaper cost of capital for offshore purchases so it has been it has been um an interesting an interesting view from our perspective and and, and nick in terms of partnerships and jvs which is obviously the you know one of the 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 campaigns that you guys are both involved with at this year's resi convention what is it for you that makes a, a great partner when you're working with developers and clients? You know, what, what is it that makes you sit back at the end of the and think, yeah, I'd love to work with those guys again? Or, I no, think, you never. know, we, in a broad sense, we're very into partnerships in the sense of working with clients 
um, around mutual trust and respect and, and, and shared values. But I think partnerships for us is about bringing together public and private sector. And that's really important because the public sector, um, particularly the local authorities, have got housing targets that are not meeting. They've got um, increasing challenges around their income profile. They need to find ways to generate long-term income. And they've got a lot of land, but they haven't necessarily got the, the, the finance available to to develop. So I think there's a natural synergy there, more so than there's ever been, for public-private partnerships to work together. But there are challenges in that in how it's done. And and you obviously you want to be a part of as much as that as possible from a from a case of master planning and developing. Yeah, plans we, I mean as, we've as, been as instrumental in introducing a number of private sector partners to to um, public sector partners, and you know those are, I think, really important models to try and focus on but of course when you get into OG regulations and procurement processes they can often become quite challenging and protracted yeah well we might not have to worry about this soon when we leave the eve but let's let's leave OG to another day because i don't think anybody's got enough time in the world to, to even <laughs> look at that but but closing off michael again from from your perspective obviously you, a lot of what you do will involve multiple partners on on the equity and the development side and Absolutely. what are some of the you give us one piece of great advice for people that might be coming to you at, at the resi convention this year with with the uh you know wanting your help on a deal what what should it's, they be coming to you it's with? so important that they have complementary skill sets so quite often from a development finance perspective we'll have one party that brings the capital uh, capital ability and one part partner that brings the development capability and together they make the perfect partnership so we quite often see two parties come together and we're very willing to support that because it's complementary skills and we think that's excellent and we think that's perfect and exactly what London and UK and the regions need to fund this product. Well, it's, we've got, so we've certainly, got, certainly had some complementary skills here today with Mike Kearney from Maslow Capital and Nick Riley from Whittam Cox Architects. Thanks very much and we'll see you at this year's Resi Convention. Thank you. Thank you.